For your listening pleasure, here's Polizzi and Rose, covering the week of media, marketing, and digital content news. This old marketing. Take it away, boys. Hello, my friends. This is Robert Rose. And welcome to episode number 345 of This Old Marketing for October 13th, 2022. And with me, as always, my good friend, my colleague, and, well, let's be honest, one of the only guys that's excited for the new Blink-182 reunion tour, Mr. Joe Polizzi. You are excited, I assume. Oh my gosh, I'm over the moon excited because I have friends that love Blink-182. Really? Yes. And they and one of them almost as much as Nickelback. One of them or, listens. Or, or, <laughs> one of them <laughs> listens to this podcast, so I can't okay. say anything bad about one eighty two. Isn't that the all? That's all the small things, right? All the small. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. Blink one eighty two. Yeah, I don't know it. any yeah, other yeah. songs. Did they have other songs? Uh, they do. They have many other songs, and your whoever your friend is that loves Blink One Eighty Two is oh, yelling at absolutely the screen. Saying, right oh, now. it's this song yeah. and that song and whatever. But I actually right. thought that if you go to a Blink One Eighty Two concert, they just play all the small things over and over, over again. and over again. Yeah, there they, you go. Well, it yeah. starts with all the small things. Well, maybe all the microscopic things, and then the small things. That's and right. Then the medium sized things, and then the That's large right. things, and then that yeah. is exactly right. Yes, I'm very excited about this concert. Yes. <laughs> For those of you who don't know what we're talking about, the the and we we could even put a link to the show notes if you if if you're so inclined. Uh, but I guess Travis Barker and Tom DeLong, who ha- I guess haven't been together in a long time, or basically it's the original lineup. I guess is is the big news that you know. I mean, and, and the reason I. I didn't think it was that big a news, but I mean, people are really excited about it. I, I, I you know, I, I didn't know Blink One Eighty Two was still a thing. Is that, so is that like it, Blink? Is it Blink One Eighty? Like, what's the V One? Sure. No, no, I what's, think it's probably Blink One Eighty Five by oh, now. Oh, One Eighty Five. Yeah, you know, yeah. But so then, okay, basically they go to the what's the what's the thing that you go to um, the Wayback Time Machine? So they did the Wayback yeah, sure. Time Machine. Yeah, and they went from One Eighty Five back to One Eighty Two. So this uh, this is very exciting. I'm definitely yeah. gonna yeah. See, I'm not listen. <laughs> I uh, there's only a couple musical groups that I would go see in person. One is you know I'm a big Red Hot Chili Peppers fan. Just saw them Detroit. I actually didn't know that. Oh, I didn't my know that. God, it's off. I'm I I love the Chili Peppers. Uh, oh, my, one of my first albums. They're great. One of the first. Yeah, they're wonderful. One of the first CDs I ever purchased was uh, CDs. It's funny. We still have CDs. I did. Pre- they don't, Boomer. Well, yeah. okay, Boomer. First, yeah. first record I ever purchased was I think Monday Rain by the Bee Gees. But I digress. Okay. Uh, Blood yes. Sugar Sex Magic. Uh, I remember that one. I was I think seventeen or eighteen when that came out, and I played it all the time. Love that. Wow. Under the Bridge. Oh, just oh it's a great. Yeah, yeah. yeah it, that all their albums are great. I mean, I remember seeing them for the first time. On MTV, uh, I'll never forget this. I was in college and saw Red Hot Chili Peppers uh, on MTV, and it was the uh, what is it? Uh, uh, I'm trying to remember the name of the song. Something something, uh, Dead Coyotes or Dead uh, uh, Real Men Don't 
two, just two coyotes. Uh, ah, somebody else is yelling at the it's speaker fine. right it's now fine. that I'm messing yeah, you're it up. Good. You're good. But anyway, I was like, who is this? What the hell is this band? I could not figure it out. And then they came out with the album, and I was like, oh, I get it. I I really get it. It's it was it was revolutionary for the time. It was well, you you would really just you would love stuff. you would love the new album. You absolutely would. You can get it uh, anywhere that they stream music. <laughs> you can get it on Spotify yeah. or Apple <laughs> Music. But no, it, and did you? We talked about this before. But did you see Woodstock '99, the documentary on Netflix? I did. I based on did your you recommendation. See, you, I, did. I mean, so you saw the part. That where Red it Hot Chili was. Peppers performed, yeah. When he yeah. Anthony Kiedis had the crowd in the palm of his hand, which isn't a good, which thing, isn't a good thing when there are fires, yeah, everywhere, and yeah, it was like Lord of the Flies magnified. But it was crazy. That documentary was crazy. I don't even remember it. I mean, I remember the, I remember the event. But I do not. I mean, this is the days before social media and mobile, you know, video and all that stuff. So you were getting basically the news reports. But holy moly, was that crazy. That's a crazy. The destruction was just, it was uh, absolutely unbelievable. And then Fred Durst on stage as well. Oh, there's, it's just, I I want to watch it again, but it was so disturbing the first time that I watched it. But I really couldn't believe when the Chili Peppers came out on stage. I mean, I don't remember it, but now that I've watched the documentary, you know, Flea comes out on stage butt naked. I mean, he was... Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. The man has a lot of confidence. I got to tell you. That's... Uh, well, he's... I mean, not to put too fine a point on it, but he's got every right to have the confidence, let's be honest. <laughs> I mean, let's just... Let's just... Uh, let's... Yeah. It probably should end there. We but probably, yeah. yeah, we probably shouldn't shouldn't go any further. <laughs> but I, I will tell you this. So we talked about Chili Peppers. I, I am a very uh, crazy, eclectic style of of music that I love, and I'm going to see Barry Manilow uh, next week as well. Well, so there, we've gone from Blink One Eighty Two to Red Hot Chili Peppers to Barry Manilow. That isn't is isn't that crazy. I mean, I and I appreciate both in very different ways. Yeah, I don't think there's going to be like a mosh pit at Manilow. But you probably won't know. Yeah, you, I mean, you don't know. I heard. I heard it's great. I heard he does all the hits, and he still looks like a human being after all. Here's the work what that I want to understand: Will you stand up when he walks out on stage? I always, it, yeah, well, or just any time, right? I mean, you know, during a during one of his, you know, he does Copacabana or something like that. Will you know in those kinds of concerts? It's always sort of this weird, awkward, like, do you stand or not for the hits? You know, do you stand and dance because everybody sort of sits for most of those kind. Con- you know, they mostly yeah. just sit there and listen, right? And it's like if you stand and the people behind you don't stand, then you feel bad because you're blocking their view. But if you don't stand, then you're, I mean, it, it's, it, it was always weird to me, those kinds of concerts, like rock concerts, you know, or dance concerts, you, of course you stand, right? You know, you're, you're probably standing the entire time. But concerts like Barry Manilow or Michael Buble or somebody like that, it's like, do you stand? <laughs> I, I think that most of, the, most of the time you probably sit, and I think that that's fine. But if something like Mandy comes on, which Mandy was is probably you know one of his first best songs ever. Sure, I think I would probably talk to the people around me and say, "Hey, man, this is Mandy. I mean, you got to get up. This is you got to tack on your seat. <laughs> sit, it's, stand up. 
Let's do this thing. Or two ships. Like, Stand up you know, during Mandy. We're two ships oh that my sail God. in the night. I mean, that pass in yeah. the night. I, I absolutely love that one. There's there's so many. I'm not a big Copacabana fan. I don't like the disco-y stuff that he did. Oh, but you are crazy. Yeah, no, you're I, crazy. That stuff's great. I'll, I'll, hey, I'll sing it just like everybody else. But it's not my favorite song. I, I really like the ballads. And a lot of people don't know Barry Manilow, one of the most accomplished uh, songwriters that oh, has for ever sure. been. This has probably written more number one hits for people than actually performed himself. Yeah. I believe yeah. that's correct. Very similar, very similar to the Bee Gees, as you mentioned earlier, that's right? That's exactly so it's, right. It's very much more successful songwriters than they were actual. I mean, Bee Gees were, of course, insanely popular for a while, but, but actually arguably the most successful part of their career was as songwriters another actually another good another good documentary to, it's a to great watch. documentary i the love that is that on netflix i don't know yeah. uh yeah it is the, it is on netflix boy it's so crazy and not not to give anything away because it's already happened but they were literally out on the tour doing the disco bgs thing because they didn't start out that way and right. they got into the whole thing and you know barry gibb did the voice and yeah, Saturday Night Fever and the whole thing came out and took off and then became what everybody hated. Like when everybody thought of disco and there was this turn and you could sense it was happening, everybody pointed at the Bee Gees and then people started to like burn their records and stuff while they're on tour. I remember that that um, when I was a kid and I was probably, let's see, maybe... 11 or 12 at the time. I, I don't remember exactly the year that it happened, but that they, and they speak to it in the documentary where the, at the baseball game, they did the, they did the record burning mm-hmm. yeah. and it turned into a, it turned into a complete shit show. And I, it was unbelievable. And I remember that on the news. I, I can still remember it, the, you know, the disco sucks signs and the hats and the t-shirts and all that stuff. It was crazy. What, what I think the turning point was probably disco duck. Was that Rick D's? Yes, it was when Rick, Rick Dees yeah. did Disco Duck. Everyone said, "All right, we've jumped the shark," and Jump the Shark actually didn't even happen yet with with Happy Days, did it? It was right around the same time. I think they all jumped the shark <laughs> at yeah, the same. It time. actually had it actually had yeah, happened at that it, point. Yes. And anyways, okay, we've got a lot of things to cover, but we do. I, I do you're you're do. Co- before you do that. Your Cowboys are four okay. and one. Congratulations! You got to be Thank very, you very happy much. about this. It's we're happy, you know. I mean, hashtag rush hour, yeah. With our backup quarterback, things are things are good. We'll see what happens this Sunday when they face the five and O Eagles. But uh, yeah, it's life is good for the Dallas Cowboys right now. Their their defense is playing lights out. Yeah, that's right what now. we that's what we need. I mean, we've got we're averaging thirty points a game, and we're one, we're two and three. It's because it, yeah. the defense can't. It's like marshmallow. They can't. They went out and picked up Deion Jones, a linebacker, this week because the general manager's so upset. Swiss cheese going right through the line. They can't stop anybody. So yeah. hopefully, but and then on the same point, you know, we're we're very happy though with Cleveland sports because the Guardians are in the playoffs as of right now. Yeah. We're recording this right before Game Two happens in against the New York Yankees. So we'll see how that goes. It's it's truly yeah. a David versus Goliath. We are the youngest team in the league and the I think the the smallest payroll in the league at the same time. And the Yankees have the number one payroll. So it would be wonderful. Yeah, my Dodgers playing pretty well your too. Dodgers, so. See, yeah. you're yeah, you're you're living like you're living life the right way. I don't know what's going on with you, but 
I'm you're you doing know, something. As we record as we record this, I'm living life in Boston. You're in Boston. That's the, right. Uh, you're at yeah, marketing the, profs. The marketing profs. B two B. The B two B conference. And and you uh you spoke on what topic? Would it be content marketing? Oh, goodness gracious. I'm going to give you four guesses, yes. Would it be content yeah. marketing? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, okay. Before we get started, again. Got okay. Some, yeah. Creator Economy Expo, which is May 1st to 3rd, and you know this. We've talked about it on the show. We have call for speakers that's ending this week. So anybody oh, listening fantastic. that you're a content creator, you think you've got a great story to tell, you want to teach uh, some other creators how to do something, whether it's drive revenue, create content, build business models, Web3, whatever it might be, uh, go to CEX.events, and you'll see at the top, you can s- click on the speakers and apply for speakers. You can do that, I think, before the 16th of October. So please get on that. I don't know if you've uh, submitted yours yet, Mr. Rose, but I haven't. No. Yeah. You think you, you think uh, just because we talk every week idea. that it's going to be that easy for you, huh? I know a guy. I, I think I know <laughs> a guy. You, yeah. you may know the wrong guy. <laughs> yeah, that's you right. You might know. You've been, you've been knowing the wrong guy for the last 10 years. That's it true. Hasn't helped you that one is true. bit. It is true. It has brought me nothing but pain and suffering. That is that is for That's sure. Absolutely true. That's <laughs> absolutely that, well. We we built the foundation of this relationship on pain and suffering. So pain and suffering. You know, right? We're not pain, used suffering to, and desperation. If, if it's anything different, yeah. you know, we just feel out of water. So. All right. Oh, now I'm ready. All right. We have a great show, uh, a very interesting show for sure. We've got a number of stories to talk about. The first is is PayPal going to be the new thought police? Uh, issuing some uh, warning about uh, misinformation and how they might fine you for it. We'll talk a little bit about the reality of what that's all about. Then we'll talk about the economy of the social media and creators. Um, Interesting article there, and that brings up all kinds of research and stats and talking about where the creator economy might be in the context of social media. Then we'll talk about CNN. Seemingly, they pulled the rug on CNN Plus, and they may now have pulled the rug on their latest NFT project. Uh, we'll have to take a Do look at that. Do they even have any more carpeting? I mean, they may not. Might, they may not have any not more rug to pull. Left. Yeah. That's right. Uh, and then if we get time, we'll talk about subscriptions and how, interestingly, people are turning off a lot of other things in this economy before they actually turn off their subscriptions. We'll talk about what those things may be. Uh, I'm going to actually rant a little bit about the White House uh, and uh, what's going on with their new uh, Bill of Rights on artificial intelligence. And then I'm going to rave just very quickly about a content marketing project that is just fantastic. Love hearing about great content marketing projects. And you are going to talk a little bit about your experience at the crypto uh, conference. Yep, crypto business conference. I have a, there was a very interesting, um, it was a consistency throughout all the presentations that I'm going to talk about that, that I found. And I think it's important for our wonderful audience and community to hear this. It's it's mind blowing. <laughs> it's so, so anyways. But anyway, yeah. It'll either be mind blowing or mind numbing. So, something like two. that. Yeah, but actually yeah. I just got uh my wife and I just got back late, late last night. You know, okay. I didn't even know this was a thing. You have to have a certain amount of flight attendants on a plane or they can't take off. Did you know this? That's right. We I had did. minus one the number that we needed, and we were all sitting there. Everyone's there. They're waiting to go, and they get on the speaker and say, sorry, we're delayed because we don't have another flight attendant. Yep. I thought, I really thought you could say, I'm like, just don't do drink service. You know, I mean, I know that they do more than that, but it's just like, just 
you got the you got the pilots there. You got at least one flight attendant. It's a small crowd. It was only like seventy people. Come on, we can do this. I'm sure that's a union rule. I'm, I think I, it's an, I, I thought it was an FAA. Yeah. Was it a union rule? It or may be an FAA, FAA rule. Yeah, it may be an FAA rule as well because they may have to have a certain number of flight attendants per number of passengers for safety considerations. But well, we were but lucky. Yeah, no, oh, I've, I've run into that. Somebody, yeah. somebody. Came, so the the one flight attendant called in sick. They had to go find some. Somebody decided that they were going to work overtime and take the flight from Chicago to Cleveland, and, and luckily that happened. And they got a big round of applause when they came down the the walkway. It was it was wonderful. It was it was kind of chilling, actually. Yeah, so. chill, chilling, goosebumps. Yes. Did you get I goosebumps? Did, I, we, I, well, yeah. we had, we really Pam really had to be back by. She had a meeting that she had to go to at eight o'clock. It was really, really important that she had to be there. So we're like, I'm like, okay, do I rent a car? There's no other planes. This was, you know, 10 o'clock Eastern time. There's no other planes around. There's not many places. There's not many uh, planes from Chicago to Cleveland going that late at night. Just not happening. So we're like, what do we do? And then luckily this happened. So, and we made it. Yay. Oh, there you go. Yay. Well, just in time for the show. Yeah, exactly. All right. That's what's important. Let's get, yep. yep. Let's get to our first story here, which is coming to us courtesy of the Washington Post. Uh, the headline here, PayPal faces backlash after floating fines for sharing misinformation. The article opens up by saying, happy Monday. Have you ever had a moment where you realize just how much time you've wasted doing something? I'm right there with you, says the author. Send decorating and news tips to, and then he puts his email address there, um, all of that kind of stuff. Uh, and then he opened, then he says, okay, now to get to the point, PayPal is facing blowback. Not even sure why he opened that way, but he did. Uh, facing blowback for proposing rules that would have allowed it to fine users $2,500 for promoting misinformation, which the online payment service has since called an error. Over the weekend, several conservative news outlets reported that the tech company updated its terms of agreement under which PayPal can levy fines against users for violations to include the sending, posting, or publication of any messages, content, or materials that promote misinformation. The update immediately sparked uproar online on the right, marking the latest instance that a major online payment service has faced heat over its moderation practices. And then it goes through a bunch of tweets from conservative politicians who are, you know, jumping, I mean, gleefully, it seems, jumping all over PayPal for this. Uh, The move drew a rare rebuke from PayPal's former president, David Marcus, as well as, you guessed it, and our unsurprised Mr. Elon Musk, who has been sharply critical of social media companies' moderation practices and it floated changes to Twitter if he completes his deal to buy the company. Uh, The article goes on to then basically add that PayPal has said, uh, sorry, never mind, that wasn't supposed to go out, that's not the policy, wasn't supposed to be published, basically claiming, you know, I mean, they don't actually say this, but they CMS, you know, somebody pushed the big red publish button that shouldn't. Um, so it might as well have been Lorem Ipsum that was in there instead of, you know, regular content. No. But I don't know. What do you think? I mean, was this, was this, is this them basically pulling back on something they were going to pull back on? Or is this something that basically somebody wrote something that shouldn't have been written and it got published? No, I, I actually think that they were, this was going to be a thing. They, and we've seen it in a lot of other places, right? Not whether it's Facebook or Instagram or whatever. It's like, hey, you can do this. You can't do this. Twitter's kick people off the platform. Here's the thing. They could, if you're using their rails, PayPal in this instance, they could do whatever they want. So everybody gets 
up in arms. The the article is really interesting as it goes through all the, mostly from what I can tell, Republicans that are jumping on saying, "Oh, this is terrible. This is terrible." That what? That, boy, I'll tell you what. Is there anything about <laughs> when, when it comes to money? If somebody's trying to take your money, and I'm making a political statement here, but the but the but the right is really concerned about that. They're less concerned about taking other things, but they're really concerned about money. So that's just like, wow, look at all of them. Now, here's the here's the interesting thing. This is PayPal. It's one company. When I was at the Crypto Business Conference, Travis Wright, uh, who is a phenomenal speaker, he's been in uh, crypto for a long time. He, Him and Joel Com have the Bad Crypto podcast. He was yeah. he was really concerned multiple times talking about central bank digital currencies and actually as of today there are a lot of people talking about CBDCs because Janet Yellen just came out and said oh we need more CBDCs I just want to say that this little PayPal thing happening is a precursor to some things that are going to happen in the United States if we're not careful because if we launch a CBDC it's they're going to be able to. The, the U.S. government's going to be able to show. What is a C? What is basically? A CBDC? It's a digital. Cur- the, the U.S. wants to launch a digital currency, and, okay. and basically, what that means is that they would have they would have control to give you money and also take money away from your like federal account. And there's been some people that uh, whether whether you're you're for a universal basic income. The thought was, if we ever did a universal basic income, in order to give out that money and to make it work, everyone would get a basically a federal bank account, and that federal bank account would be funded with a digital currency, central bank digital currency. China already has one, and yeah. China's doing really well with it. And what they what China loves is because they they know exactly who has it, they know where you are, where you're using it, and they can shut off access to it whenever they want. This is kind of where we're going, and this is why I can see a lot of a lot of right wingers get really upset, and I'm concerned as well, because I think we're heading toward this. So that's what I thought of when I saw this PayPal thing. Is okay. This is one company, one private company, and they can do whatever they want. As soon as we agree to the terms and conditions, you basically have to either feed into it or you don't. Go somewhere else, and that's where I think we're going to go. We're getting more and more used to. Outside companies having more control over the money that we have uh, as it goes all over the place digitally. And I think this is where we're heading. So I, I guess my take is if you play in this world that we're living in, um, if you want to play in the world of, of the book 1984, we should actually expect more of this to happen. And I don't want to be so negative about it, Robert, but I actually feel that this this is where most governments want to go and it starts this way it starts with private companies trying to do it and saying you can do this you can't do this you want to play by our rules we've seen it in social media and we're going to move on further so am i am i really exaggerating here is this too much i i i think you can probably take off your small tinfoil hat for a moment yeah I, there's a, there's there's you know so so first of all i, I my, the first thing i read when i read the art then there are multiple by the way articles that cover this story because it was everywhere we just picked the washington post because it was one of the more mainstream articles that sort of covered uh the the the, the, the both sides of you know of the issue um, there are plenty out there that, you know, sort of are even more inflammatory and some that are, you know, the other way, basically saying, you know, oh, they never meant to do this. Um, but to me, the, my first reaction was, 
who publishes content on PayPal? Like, it, it, is there some hidden no social network or content platform that I don't know about that PayPal has? Because they have no jurisdiction over any other platform. No, 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 so, no. This is how I took it. No, that's a really good point. I think that if if you hook up to their rails, just like if you hook up to Stripe or, or whatever the case is, and they don't like what you're communicating, they can shut it down. They could shut down their rails. You mean so if I if my payment mechanism on my blog, for example, is PayPal? Yes. To pay that's for a subscription, how I read it. and you can am pay. I, am I wrong okay. with that? Because that's, that's I don't how know. I well, it. I mean, uh, well, I don't think any of us can know whether we're right or wrong because they said they didn't mean to do it, right? So now, whether they they're coming off of that um, or they're using that as a PR, you know, mechanism, it's hard. Okay. It's hard to know. But it, it it strikes me that it would be unenforceable. Um, you know, you can't just you can't just take money. That's that's illegal. You can't you know you can't take money because you don't like something somebody said, right? I mean, you know, you can get kicked off the platform, or you could they could refuse to process your your uh, your, your your transaction, but. That would never stand up in court for them to actually say, ah, on your blog you said X, that's misinformation, therefore we're going to fine you $2,500. That's just – that's robbery. Is what so are you, are you basically saying that somebody in the publishing group just made a big mistake and published this? I don't know. I, I don't know. I, I, it, it could have been that it meant something different. Like it, you can't you – know, you can't use our platform to say something that's – misinformation like you know when you make a payment for something or if you're spreading misinformation that includes our you know that they reserve the right to to i don't know what they what it actually meant i i can't i can't even really i mean beyond sort of the knee jerk which i thought was you know i mean that was basically just piling on from the the conservative politicians basically you know they weren't yelling at paypal they were yelling at facebook and twitter because there's this perceived you know, you know, slight that they've been giving. You know, they 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 believe that, you know, somehow right wing discussion has been thwarted on on those platforms, which of course it hasn't. But that's a whole other discussion. But it it just strikes me that the whole the whole thing reeked of a mistake. Like it just I don't I don't I don't understand it. Well, and according to the article, it says that PayPal, yeah. which you, you went through this, but PayPal updated yeah. their terms of agreement. And it says yeah. to include a violations to include the sending, posting, or publication of any messages, content, or materials that promote misinformation. Right. So that would make that would be if you are using PayPal services and they believe whoever the the judge and jury is for PayPal that you're posting, and it would only probably happen if you are relatively important and you have an audience because you have an audience. Why do they care? So there's that. And well, the only the only thing I can think of is is that this represents them getting ahead of their skis. In other words, maybe there is some announcement of some new product coming where you can actually build content on the PayPal platform or a play, a PayPal platform, and basically the terms and services agreement got ahead of the announcement of the product or the platform, and so. That's that they could basically, be. yeah. That could that absolutely that, could they, be. They messed up there, right? You know, they're basically trying to cover all their bases, but basically, legal got ahead of the announcement of some, you know, because I just otherwise it's just 
I don't even see how it it doesn't stand up to me. I, I you know I mean I'm no lawyer for sure, but that just to me is 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 robbery. You can't you can't just take money. You know it's like I can't just establish a a rule that, that says basically you know my bank can't say basically hey if you say something we don't like on your blog we're going to take twenty five hundred dollars out of your account. I mean that's that's no that's illegal. You can't do that. It's just that's you know it's theft. So I, I I I struggle with this whole thing. I, uh, I hear what you're saying, but if yeah. it's in the terms and conditions that nobody reads, and they have it in there, and you agree to it, they can do it. They they can, and it's it might be ultimately found illegal because it's outside of their jurisdiction or whatever. Well, yeah, the case, anything but, can be right. Anything anybody can do anything, right? I mean, I can have and buried in my terms and conditions. You know, <laughs> I mean. So one of the friends and family of this show uh, is a lawyer, and they really enjoy writing fun, weird contracts, right? You know, basically, you know, dumbing down or, you know, basically making contracts that aren't, you know, they're not legal necessarily, but they're, they're basically say straight up what they do. And, you know, they were telling me one of my clauses could be, you know, I need, I need cocaine in my dressing room, right? You know, it's like, yeah, my contract can say that. That doesn't make it any less l- illegal for it to happen. And nobody can rightfully sign that without it, you know, without the entire contract being void. So it's, it, I, I don't, it, anyway, I, just, I, I struggle to understand the, the actual, you know, without, you know, other than the sort of positioning that everybody seems to be getting on board with here. I struggle with the whole thing. Well, I did, like other than an other than a mistake. Yeah, okay, I mean, it might be a mistake. I would just say that this is uh, this is good training for us as yes, we move well, through because well, first of all, sure. we've Absolutely. talked about it on the show. This is happening more and more with the social networks. It's going to continue to happen, and I think that we have to be aware that there are a few large entities, PayPal included, and other ones that we've just discussed that are going to t- try to land grab. As much as they can, yeah, yeah, because, and, because and I think stay right tuned now, for actually, yeah, and I think stay tuned for some announcement from PayPal forthcoming that is some new content platform. That that would be my guess. That's it that's may, that's my. I big didn't prediction. think about that, Robert, but it makes a lot of sense if you think about. Somebody asked me the other day, like, who are who in the five years, next five years, who are going to be the largest financial institutions? And my the first two companies that came out of my mouth were Apple and Google. Because they yeah. already are. Just nobody thinks of them that way. I That's went right. into, stayed at um, the Hilton Bayfront in San Diego, and this is the first time I saw, like, the first, not, you can pay by credit card, but the first two listed, Apple Pay and Google Pay. I'm like, right. oh, that's interesting. Okay. Yep. The Apple credit card was the largest credit card launch in history. Unbelievable. Just wait for the yeah. Apple car. Oh, yeah. Oh, but it's going to be nuts. it's going to be crazy. Okay. It's going to be crazy. Okay. Well, speaking of the economy, uh, there is news on the economy. Um, Froming, this comes to us courtesy of Alts.co. I didn't. Do you know this website? I have. I, I have seen website. it before, and this is a okay. really impressive article. So, so it's really ahead. an impressive article. the The amount of research that went into this article is 
is impressive. Uh, the the headline here is the Eco- economics of social media accounts. The article opens up by saying, while Web3 opens new ways for creators to earn, social media still mostly lives in a Web2 world. And to keep it in this world, creators need to make the numbers work. It's exactly these social media economics that we'll look at in this article. Uh, and then it goes on to say creators are grumbling. Basically, that the finances, we've talked about this on this show, from YouTube and from shared platforms have been going down. In other words, the revenue share of advertising is going down across different platforms. Uh, Then they go into how big is the creator economy. Uh, They talk about it basically being a $105 billion industry, roughly equivalent to the GDP of the 50 lowest countries combined. Then they talk about creator earnings, and they basically look together and have cobbled together a few different sources of creator economy earnings uh, from those, you know, uh, basically some amazing stats in there. YouTube economics talked about YouTube. They talk about just all sorts of things in this very long article. Uh, Instagram, uh, all Facebook, all of the TikTok, basically really a roundup, if you will, of all of the kinds of things that are going on across social media and how creators are making money from it. Uh, and basically, they their closing thought or their conclusion uh, is that basically that creator marketing, as they call it, recognizes that old ways of advertising don't work uh, like they used to, and that there are these new ways of making money that will become much more mainstream in the future. So, uh, what did you take out of all of this? So there's a lot to chew. There's on. so much. Yeah, I would I would recommend that if you're going to read an article, go through this one and just look at it so you can see what's going on. I mean the. Yes, uh, there's a there's a little bit of a creator economy winter, if you will, going on, and the article talks about this with the fact that a lot of these influencer deals are not as large as they were in 2021, 2020, 2021, and then it also talks about the the amount of money made on some of these platforms. What I think is interesting is that TikTok pays the least and it's growing the fastest. Yeah. I don't know what that should mean to me, Robert, but it seems meaningful that the network that's just taking off and and eating, starting to eat Meta's lunch here, uh, they're they're not paying a lot out in revenues. And the other thing that I thought of, and I wanted to get your take on it, let's I don't know what the number is. What did you say? One hundred and five billion dollar industry, whatever it is, yeah, we don't know what it is. Yeah, there's doesn't matter. There's either. Yeah. A there's, big. It's a lot of money. There's 50 million creators or 200 million creators. There's a billion creators. You hear all the, and there's a lot of money going to these creators. My thinking is this you've got big companies, Google, you've got Meta, you've got ByteDance with TikTok. They see how much money is going to the creators. And you might not think, oh, hey, can the creator really make a living? Well, we could talk about all that stuff, like what's enough for a creator to make a living. But when you look at this and you see the size of, you know, multiple countries going to these creators, I think you get these big companies that are concerned about that. I, I think you're going to, I think in 2021, everybody was like, oh, hey, if you, if, if YouTube wants to keep their creators and Twitch wants to keep their creators, they've got to pay more money. I think we've totally done a 180. I think they're totally br- taking it back. Take, they're going to take as much as they can back because they can do it right now. And there's a lot of creators that are desperate, and they'll do whatever they have to on these platforms. That's why, of course, we say don't build your content house on rented land. Figure out different ways that you can monetize directly. But let's let's be honest. There's 95% of content creators out there that, that don't do that. They make their living yeah. 
their living directly through a YouTube or directly through an Instagram and not using those platforms to leverage their overall brand and business. And I'm really concerned. So I got through this. I read it a couple times and I just cut coming out saying this is not good for creators. I think all these numbers are going lower for them. No doubt. No, you know, we are, you know, here's an interesting lens to look at this through. And I covered this in my news piece uh, at the end of last week. So if you pair this with, so the IAB, the Internet Advertising Bureau, just came out with a new research study. And this statistic just floored me, which is media consumption habits have, have now, content creator consumption has now eclipsed streaming media and broadcast television. Um, in other words, they said, in, in other words, the percentage of media consumption was 39% on content creator, meaning TikTok and Facebook and YouTube and all that. So content, basically amateur, if you will, uh, or, you know, content creator oriented content versus 38% combined of broadcast television and streaming networks, meaning basically more people are consuming media on an everyday basis of content creators than they are of movies and television shows, et cetera. And with the investment now, because they were way over invested in production content, you know, the studios and Netflix and Amazon Prime and all the rest of them, you starting to see that this trend may continue and that you have sort of mainstream media now becoming more TikToky or YouTube, et cetera, where television and, and uh, streaming become sort of the, the niche, uh, which is just a fascinating, fascinating. trend. Yeah. If, and if, so if you look at this, what, you, what, what I think you're seeing, and I, I, I would this is a total hypothesis on my part with your, with your question on TikTok, is you're just seeing a, a gold rush, right? You're seeing a gold rush of content creators that absolutely will wear itself out, right? There's just only so much gold in the hills. And, and you know, a very few people are going to find it. And you'll ultimately end up with a lot of consolidation, a lot of, you know, the, the long tail shortening quite a bit. Uh, and basically, I think you'll end up, you know, kind of... It'll rebalance itself, I think, is where, where it'll end up. We might already be past that point to what you just yeah, said. I, I think, think so. we've seen yeah. the, the tip. It was probably the middle of last year when everything was just taken off. We, we were having a bull market and everything at that time, especially with content creation. And these companies were paying whatever they had to to keep these creators on. And Twitch and, and YouTube were going back and forth and not paying enough or paying too much, whatever the case. And now we're at a point where I think we're – Content creators need to realize this takes a long, it takes a long time. It takes good two years plus of consistent delivery on a platform to build an audience and monetize that, so you can you can be financially independent. It just yeah. is, and we cannot count. You can absolutely, and you should absolutely drive revenue from these platforms. And if TikTok is like our good friend Jay Bear is doing an amazing job on TikTok and Instagram right now uh, with his tequila stuff. So Jay's got yep. a whole tequila thing going on. He just blew up. He's got a couple hundred thousand followers on it. He's getting really good engagement. He's getting tequila companies sending him tequila, like all kinds of stuff. He's got more tequila than he knows what to do with right now. He's doing all these reviews. But where Jay's really smart, and that's why I think we're going to do an article on him at the Tilt, he's really focusing on driving email subscriptions from that. 
because he's got this free report that he did. And that's fascinating. Yep. That's the kind of things that we, we need to be doing because whenever TikTok or Instagram change their algorithm, they say, well, Jay's not the flavor of the month anymore. Jay's going to be okay because he's been working on, on creating direct relationships with these people. So, yeah. Yeah. And I think that's, that speaks to the, the popularity of TikTok too. Another, to your point about, you know, why, you know, cause for, for a while, the perception, whether it's the reality or not, or is, is a different story, but the perception is, is that it's easier to get a bigger following on TikTok right now because, because the consumption is so high that you can actually build a following pretty quickly on, on TikTok versus an Instagram or a, a Facebook or a YouTube channel. And, and, that's, and by the way, that's exactly what the article says because you have a lot right. more million follower c- creators on, that's uh, right. on TikTok versus Instagram. Instagram seems to be the big celebs. You really have a yeah, 1% thing right. going on in Instagram. TikTok yep. is more of, hey, I can get 100,000 or a million followers pretty quickly, but then w- with TikTok and their algorithm, they can forget all about you. Oh, sure. So it's yeah, really yeah. great for like you can, and, and the article goes through how you could just be found, and in a couple of weeks, you get a bunch of followers, and then it's crickets. Because again, yeah. you have no control over the algorithm. You are just up to the whim of however they're going to serve that content. And it is not social media anymore. It is content discovery. Yep. It's all content, content discovery. discovery. It's all they care about. Yep. And by the way, that applies to our marketing too. It, you need to start thinking about that for your marketing is how you're doing content discovery rather than searching for content. So start yeah. putting that into your, into again, your heads. Yeah. All right. One last story here before we get to our rants and raves, which is, uh, speaking of crickets, uh, CNN uh, has now pulled the rug uh, on moments. Uh, and basically, this comes to us courtesy of The Verge. The headline is, CNN has been accused of a rug pull uh, as it abandons its NFT project. The article opens up by saying, CNN is dropping the development of its marketplace selling collectible moments tied to major news events angering users who'd spent thousands of dollars and were sold on exclusive access and features coming in the future. On Monday afternoon, as pointed out by Parker Malloy, CNN ended its Big Web 3 project by announcing, we have decided that it's time to say goodbye to The Vault by CNN. You may have already forgotten about it, but Vault by CNN launched in the summer of 2021 as a marketplace for its own own NFTs that would act as offer collectors the opportunity to own a piece of history, sort of like an NBA Top Shot card, except for media nerds instead of basketball nerds. It minted CNN reports of key events or artistic interpretations inspired by them, creating digital uh, digital collectibles that owners could show off somehow or trade show <laughs> or trade with others like baseball cards. Yeah, both of which seemed like idiocy to me at the time, but all right. The the idea apparently seemed more reasonable while cryptocurrency prices were sky high and headlines about NFTs didn't include phrases like trading volume collapses 97% (laughs) since January peak. Um, The article goes on to basically talk about the crypto winter and why this is a big challenge right now. But uh, basically CNN has said it's going to compensate those collectors with something, but who knows what the heck that's going to be? Um, what do you What do you think about all this, my friend? This is this is like like the first I think of many. To well, come. so so I've got a couple takes on it. First of all, if they're going to stop this project, which it sounds like they are, they should just refund the people. 
if you're just going to say I'm done and and I I see what they're trying to do they 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 didn't create it as a utility type NFT they're like oh, they they started as a collectible and now they're trying to morph it it's like okay well the collectible NFTs that's not doing so well so what do we do now let's morph it over to be some useful membership or something like that well you know what it didn't work and that's fine you tried something just refund the people and don't don't be chintzy about it. And I think that's what they're going to do. They're going to say, well, depending on what the market was and what somebody spent in ETH and all this, they're going to come up with something stupid. And well, the article quotes the guy from CNN basically saying, expect the distribution amount to be roughly twenty percent of the oh, original mint man, price. What a oh, that's terrible. Yeah. That's wrong. I'm sorry, CNN. Yeah, you should just do right. It's not all that much money for you. It was a great experimentation. I mean, I don't agree with the model, but that's fine. Yeah, go ahead. You just said we're we're gonna we're going to drop it here. Pay them back what they paid for at least the mint cost. And you can't. I wouldn't worry about the resale of stuff if somebody paid a lot of money on resale. But at least for the minting, I would give it back and 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 do that. So I I wish if. Everyone got into the fad of the you know ten thousand or twenty thousand image collectibles that do nothing, and I think that I wish they would have done a membership or unlock a special content experience. And I know they sort of position it that way, but it really isn't. There are more collectibles than anything else. The opportunity right now, especially in crypto winter, and a lot of people aren't building anymore, is to do something like that to really figure out what you and your brand can deliver a unique content experience to, and you can do it in the form of an NFT project if you wish to. I wish CNN would have done that, um, but they need to make good. That's my take. Yeah. I mean, that's the key is that, you know, you, you, you launched it like a product and then you killed it like a product. But the problem is, is that you never provided any value of the product. So you have to, you, I mean, it's, it's only right that you return the value that was spent because you provided zero value. It's not even like they said, oh, you got 80% of the value out of it or you got 10% of the value out of it or whatever. They should just they should just refund everybody the original mint cost, you know, and and be done with it. And it would be and then it wouldn't be a story. That's right. It's then just it, like, hey, we tried it. It it didn't work for us or whatever. We're gonna focus our energy somewhere else and maybe we'll try again. But right now, we'll make everybody feel you know, make everybody yeah, whole. Make and everybody done. whole. Yes. Yep. Yeah, but no, but exactly. No. But, but but no, no. somebody's no. somebody's counting the dollars, and I get it. Yeah, somebody in well, accounting. Yeah, they got a you they got a parent company that. now that's counting oh, the dollars. Man, I I know yeah. those conversations. They're not fun. I bet you. I bet you. Yeah, somebody they're... said, "Hey, let's just do the right thing and give it back." And somebody that was counting the beans said, "No, you're not going to do that, yeah, no. or we're not going to make our quarterly yeah. budget. We cannot do the cash flow." Blah. You know, whatever. Yep. 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 <laughs> All right. Well, speaking of more rants and raves, let's get to our rants and raves where Joe and I go off on a little bit of a rant or a little bit of a rave, like we're listening to Blink-182 or maybe we're listening to Red Hot Chili Peppers. That's the that's the real key here. Um, so uh, shall I go yeah, Go, go right ahead. Like go I, I don't really know right. what you're going to talk about, so I'm intrigued. Well, I'm intrigued. Well, okay. So this week uh, and... Uh, so much thank to uh, Stephen Davis for sending this over uh, in email as a story idea. It was just fascinating. So this week, the White House, m- meaning the Biden administration, uh, so whitehouse.gov, set out a what they're calling the blueprint for an AI bill, an artificial intelligence bill of rights. 
Uh, the subhead of this is making automated systems work for the American people. This is such nonsense. The, this is 1,500 or 2,000 words or however many words it is of just such gobbledygook, such political gobbledygook that it, you know, we often complain about how government doesn't get technology and how it's so far behind and that we need our legislation to actually reflect what's going on, even some of the stuff that we just talked about in this show, right? It's the stuff about, you know, uh, you know whether or not the terms and services can be, you know, done for misinformation, things about social media networks, things about artificial intelligence, things about technology. And then for them to come out with something like this, to, in my mind, is just so ridiculous. Just as one small example, because there are so many to pick on here, you know, you've got one of the Bill of Rights is called uh, the human alternative, right? So in other words, basically, you're, you're supposed to have a human be an alternative to some interface. And the, the metaphor that I use, which was, you know, so in other words, you have a, a belt where you put all your groceries on it, and the artificial intelligence engine scans the fruit for its weight and price and gives you a price. Theoretically, under this Bill of Rights, you should have a sign that says, by the way, if you don't like the way the belt is doing it, we've got Gladys over here in a corner who will manually weigh your vegetables and give you a, give you a price on it because we have to give you a human alternative to this. I mean, the, the way that this stuff is worded is so politics, so chock-a-block full of just feel-good, squishy politics. It's just... It, uh, it just it just made me mad. It's it, it, in terms of like uh, you know it's not serious. It's not a serious thing, and so I just expected better. I just expect better from them to to be able to do this. So I wanted to rant. You, you about don't that. think that it's a good start with something? You, you don't think? No, that I think it's a poor start. I think it's worse than not starting at all to do something like this. Ooh, I think it's words. you know I. I yeah, well, if they were going to do something, let's do something real. Like, let's do something that is a good start. I mean, there's plenty of stuff to be discussed, plenty of things to talk yeah. about in terms of how AI and the philosophies behind it and how the automation and, you know, moving people out of specific tasks to move artificial intelligence in. There's so many great philosophical discussions to have there, but not wrapping it in this sort of you know, we're trying to do right by uh, just the 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 milk toasty sort of you know words that they use here are just so you know it's all it's all so clearly designed to be like you know we're concerned about humans you know it's like okay thank you but you know let's let's actually talk about practical a really practical bill of rights here right you know it's it's almost like you start the you know let's we we started our bill of rights in the constitution and the you know the first bill of rights was like everybody should be nice to each other you know that's the first bill of rights you know second bill of rights you should th- say thank you when you get a pot of you know soup from your mother that's article number 2 of the constitution it's like no just let's get real and let's do something with this well it's almost to your point it's almost like when we talk to content marketers about creating content if you if it's not going to be exceptional content it's better just to not do it than exactly i think that's what you're well, saying well that's my right? point here really it's, the yeah, idea my, my, might have been know, sound yeah. But if it is not going to be exceptional for its time, better to better to hold off. Exactly. That's and that's. Yeah, thank you for that because that's exactly my point. My point is not to make a comment on artificial intelligence. My my comment is really on 
you know, putting out something that you call the Bill of Rights that is really just, you know, just, you know, just bad content. And, you know, it would have been better just to not do anything at all. Um, my quick rave, and then I'll and I'll let you go. My, I do have a quick rave so that I don't sound all snarky and everything. Um, is a wonderful content marketing case study, very quick case study, um, and uh, it's on a blog uh, by uh, the Pittsburgh Pittsburgh PR guy is is, and it's uh, they sent it over via email as well. And it was just a wonderful little case study uh, from B two B. Um, which is the it's from the Keystone Contractors Association, and they did a magazine and a podcast. And it's just a, I'm not going to belabor it here. I'll let you go read it and see it. But I always just love great examples of content marketing, and this was a good one. And I wanted to just give it a shout out on the Very show. Nice, awesome. We, yeah, we we've been so uh, knee deep in Web three and social media, yeah. we forgot that sometimes we need to talk about content marketing. So that's right. Bring it that's right. Back. Just there you like go. Blink 181.5. Bringing sexy that's, back is what I'm exact, doing. I'm bringing doing sexy JT. back. That's exactly what you're doing. Yeah. All right. Um, so I just wanted to give you some commentary that I thought was worthwhile for uh, the people that listen to this show. I went to Crypto Business Conference. It was Michael Stelzner's uh, first crypto business conference. Congratulations to Michael and the team. Congratulations it, to Michael. Put on, yeah. put on a great show. Very tough environment to do any kind of events at all right now especially in the corporate environment. Uh, so I, I enjoyed speaking there. I did my little speech on social tokens. But I listened to a lot of NFT presentations. And Robert, in every one of these NFT presentations, it was recommended to start a community. Like the first thing you got to do is build a community. And it was almost, and I, I don't want to be facetious about this whole thing, but it was it was almost that it was a throwaway line in a lot of cases because they're like, oh, of course you need to build a community. But then nobody was going into how you build the community. How do you build a community? Right, uh, and exactly. it's funny, there, Annie Alexander was the uh, clo- one of the closing keynotes in the first day. <laughs> how to make a million dollars. First, start with a million with dollars. dollars. Then, <laughs> yeah, first, you know, have rich parents, right? Right, So exactly. Annie Alexander talked about it. She had a big... Uh, number statistic up on her slide that said 98%. And she said, basically, of all the NFT projects that start, 98% fail. And she talked about this idea of community. So when I got up there and I talked about social tokens, I really, I didn't give the whole Web3 social token thing. I really pulled off to the side and I said, hey, if you're doing NFTs, social tokens, DAOs, whatever it is, my recommendation is to not launch a token project until you have some kind of minimum viable audience. And my take was start with building an audience first, and then you could possibly leverage the token into building a community or build the audience, then build the community. There's lots of Web 2.0 ways to do that, whether that's Discord or Telegram or LinkedIn groups or or email even, whatever the case is. And then you can layer a token project on top of that once the people already know, like, and trust you. I think that is the absolute best way to do it. I just didn't hear enough of it. And I think it's it's probably because the majority of the people that were giving presentations, they were technologists. They, they really understand the crypto market and they were fantastic. And I learned a ton of stuff, but they didn't necessarily come from marketing and publishing. So that's when I heard that. I'm like, oh, so I just wanted to make sure that we never say, hey, go run out and do an XYZ project. 
you still need to do the blocking and tackling of figuring out what your differentiation is, focus on one platform, build an audience on that platform over time. Hopefully, and we've talked about it on this show, you build some kind of an email offering so you have some control and you can port that audience somewhere else. If let's say a MailChimp blocks you or doesn't like what you're saying, just like we talked about with PayPal. And then you get to the point where you have a minimum group of followers and fans that really trust what you're doing and want to get involved in a Web3 project that's a little bit new, a little bit exciting, but you already have that following. So that's I just wanted to share that, Robert, because um, I don't think enough people are talking about that. It really starts with you have to really do a lot of Web 2.0 in order to get to the Web 2.1, 2.5 and ultimately Web 3 ish decentralized idea of what this thing could be we got a long way to go and and we've got to build an audience uh, first and foremost so that's my take well it's a it's yeah it's a, you know the funny thing is is that it it it, it lines up with actually weirdly uh, lines up with my talk here at marketing profs where i talked about the idea of you know the content marketing strategy in 2023 you know a lot of us sort of start with the we got to create better content. You got to create all this new stuff. You got to create. And, and my sort of view and my advice was, no, you have to build, you have to build your foundation first before you do anything neat. If you want it to scale, if you want it to last, if you want it to be, you know, something that's going to go beyond just a viral campaign, you have to build the foundation first. And that's what you're really saying is, is that you have to build your community first um, and really that's where the, the hard work is. You know, we spend so much time on this podcast saying, don't build your home on rented land. And what we, we end up with is, is sort of the vision in your head is, oh yeah, right. I shouldn't be spending so much time building on, on social media, but the first thing you got to do is build a home. Yeah. Build on you, have to, you have to yeah. build a you have to build a home first before you can actually have a home either on rented land or your own land. And so, you know, it's not the sexiest thing in the world, but figuring out that basic blocking and tackling first before you get into things like Web3 or a social token or whatever is critical. Absolutely. By the way, really good time to do something in Web3. Yeah, uh, it's huge. But again, time. don't yeah. do it unless you already have an audience that's willing to go along for the ride. Because whatever yep. you launch with, just like any kind of product coming from a, a content base, uh, it's going to change and you're going to pivot at some point. You need a group of people that already trust you. That's right. So there you go. Anyways. That is correct. All right. Well, that's wonderful. What's going on uh, for the oh, week? Oh, well, well, I got... <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna... More travel. No, yeah. I do have travel next week. I will be in, in Vegas at a, at the Printing United Conference next week. So I'm very... That's a big... I, I hear they've got more than 10,000 coming to that wow. event. So I'm very excited to see 700 booths or something. I've, I haven't been to a big event like that in a long time. So I'm interested in that. But on Sunday, we're going to try again at the Browns game. Uh-oh. Browns With the Browns. The Patriots. Yeah. And we... Pa- it's a winnable Cameron game. I have been to four of the five, in person, to four of the five Browns games this year, and we're one and three. And that one was a little shaky. So I'm a little concerned it's me. But okay. I am going to yep. go back again. Yep. And if they lose this one in a strange fashion, like they've lost the three, I might have to reconsider. I might have to watch. Okay. I don't know. It's going to be a tough decision. Really don't know what to do. Okay. Anyways, what do you got going on? 
Uh, I got, uh, well, the world seems to have opened up again. Like October 1st came and it seems like businesses went, oh my goodness gracious, it's the fourth quarter. We need to do some stuff. So we have, I mean, I'm blessed. I, I please, you know, this is the most, you know, sort of humble brag ever, but we're just, we have a lot of client work to do and that's great. And I'm so I have so much gratitude for it, but, um, yeah, it's, we're, we're going to be busy, busy, busy. And, and I'm glad I'm sort of ending here at marketing process. My, you know, I don't, I have one more speaking engagement before the end of the year, but nothing coming up for the next month or so. So it'll be, it'll be heads down working for me. Well, congratulations. That's, I'm sure they're all, it's all because of this, the popularity of this podcast. That's where you get all all your client. Absolutely. Every single Every, it has something to do. I did with have it. I did have a wonderful person come up to me at the marketing profs B two B and talk about how she loved our podcast and it, that was it was so wonderful. She said she's been listening from the very beginning and it helped shape her career and you know and now she's you know leading a team and all that. So it was like it was really cool to hear. Did that. you say so, what was the first episode yeah. on? Do you remember? Did you like grill her? Did you say? I did, did not. Did you say you remember I, us I talking not, about John Deere? I should have. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I totally should have. Like, yeah. I remember we talked about Forbes right. and John Deere. It was a classic episode. Yeah, and Forbes and John Deere. I totally remember it. Yeah, that was our This Old Marketing I don't remember example. any other in between. I remember the first one and the one we just recorded. That's it. <laughs> just know that we've talked a lot about Facebook. That's all. That's really all. And and, and the Browns and the yeah, Cowboys. Probably go. the in the in the word cloud that is our podcast. Those are the three probably. big words. <laughs> all right, uh, that is it for us for this week. If you want to get all the goodness of this podcast show notes, well, you should just listen more. That's really it. Um, you can dive into any of the other. 344 episodes if you just get on over to our website at thisoldmarketing.site. Uh, remember to hashtag us up. Thank you to, oh my gosh, there's so many people to thank. Uh, we'll do that on the next episode is thank a whole bunch of people. But remember, hashtag us up on Twitter. Send us email. We love it. Those story ideas, just keep them coming. Hashtag thisoldmarketing on Twitter. And until we meet again next week, remember, it's your story to tell. Tell it. See you next week.